I started to get like little, like a rash, like little hives. Like I was just, and I've never gotten that before. Mm-hmm. So then we were out of town in Las Vegas again and I, and I started and then I would take like a Benadryl, which Benadryl makes me very, really tired. I hate taking it, but it would go away for a couple of days and it would come back and it was only like a couple, like a little bit. Then all of a sudden they just erupted everywhere. It was head to toe hives that all day, 24 seven and antihistamine wouldn't even touch it. Nothing. And I was like, what's it was, I mean, it was all over. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast. My name is Evan Transu. I will be your host today, and I keep having to specify this, especially as we do these live ones, just in case someone is clicking in for the first time. Um, I'm no one special in particular. I'm a podcaster with FDN. I do some other things here as well, Uh, but I do have my own health story. I had seven different diagnosed conditions at the age of 18, and thankfully, the FDN system and the things that I learned there are the reasons that I don't have any of those conditions anymore. Do not meet the diagnostic criteria. I think that's amazing. And we interview people on this show who have been through similar things. Maybe they had to mix in some other modalities. That's totally fine. Uh, Some people are 80% better. Really doesn't matter to us. What we want are people who have done some very cool things health-wise that many others think are impossible when they hear this half the time. And, you know, they can use this information to get better. So my guest today is Erica Duffy. I'm going to read her bio and we'll jump into it. Uh, She is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, certified health coach, wife, and mom with a deep passion for empowering individuals to take charge of their well-being. Her own health struggles with breast implant illness, TMJ, and chronic hives, along with her husband's multiple, oh, geez, MS, a multiple sclerosis diagnosis, uh, have led her to where she is today as an FDN. Her mission revolves around helping people discover the path to optimal health and enabling them to embrace their true selves. Through her expertise with the use of functional labs and an extensive medical and lifestyle history, she guides individuals to understand their bodies, intensify underlying health issues, and make informed choices that led to improved or that lead to improved vitality and self-confidence. Her business is centered on the belief that everyone can achieve a uh, achieve a state of vibrant health and comfort in their own skin, and she takes pride in helping individuals not only feel better but also gain the knowledge and tools to maintain lifelong health and happiness. Well, Erica, that was not terrible considering I didn't edit it properly and I told her off air this was in the first person and I forgot to change it. So, I think that that was okay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So I'd love to dive into your story. That's always how we start this stuff off. And then that leads to the science and and nerdy part of all this stuff. What did your first health symptoms look like? And when did they start? I know we touched on them uh, in a more broad perspective in the bio, but when did these things start? And what was the first one? They all started in 2016. um, Because prior to 2016, I didn't really have any health issues, maybe got a common cold every year. Now I have four kids. So 
um, now they're teens and tweens, but at one point they're a little always catching something. Mm -hmm. But in 2016, I decided to get breast implants and it took me a year and a half to connect the dots and realize that the implants were causing the issues because then symptoms started coming. Like the next day I went for my post-op and I had like a rash on my chest and she said, oh, it's your body getting used to a foreign object, you know, put um, some lotion on. So I just said, okay, and just brushed it off. And then I started getting, you know, a couple months later, I got some anxiety and I've never experienced anxiety before. And it was, I went to immediate care. I thought something was seriously wrong. I didn't know what was going on. And they, they said, all your vitals are fine. You're fine. So I just thought, thought I was fine and went home. And then um, I started getting heart palpitations in the middle of the night. I'd wake up and wouldn't know what's going on. My husband's like, what's going on? I've just, my heart be racing. So I went to my doctor for that. And she sent me to a cardiologist and the cardiologist did, you know, had an echo done. And the tech said, you know, I can see most of your heart, but your implants covering part of it. And I don't want to press too hard because I don't want to rupture it. She said, so I'm just going to leave that part be. And I thought, well, what if there's something behind that you're not seeing, but the cardiologist didn't see anything She's just said, okay, we'll leave that be. And they didn't find any answers. And I said, could this be my implants? And she said, no. So I said, okay, then I just kind of learned to live with it, right? You just kind of like don't find an answer. You just kind of, I would just wake up in the middle of the night. I was able, it, it still was happening. And I would just kind of calm down sooner and just go back to bed. And then that year I had like bronchitis, pneumonia, the flu, all back to back to back. And I've never had any of those. And it was within like, I just couldn't catch a break. So then, um, don't know if that was related to it, but it was just weird that that happened. Just all these little things were happening. And then with TMJ, with my jaw, all of a sudden I, I couldn't clench it anymore. I couldn't, it was, it hurt so bad and it was unaligned and it was just so much inflammation. So I went to an oral surgeon. This is kind of where I started to dive into health and wellness a little bit because he said, you know, it's inflamed. Um, You'll have to go on a liquid diet for eight weeks. And that's all he told me. He said, so go on a liquid diet. I said, what does that mean? He said, we'll just drink liquids. And I thought this could be for, it's a long time, liquid diet for eight weeks, then another four weeks of soft chew. So I had to like, you know, really look into my nutrients and make sure I was getting everything I needed. And I I had lost weight. I don't recommend this to lose weight. It's, you know, it was medically necessary, but um, thankfully I, I think I was getting what I needed. Mm-hmm. Then, um, that year I went to Las Vegas with my husband and I was so cold. I could not regulate my body temperature. I just couldn't get warm. And we were outside, you know, Vegas and the heat. I, we went back inside. I was under all the blankets. We turned on the heat in the hotel room. I could not get warm. And then I was just shivering and I was really tired and that lasted probably only a few hours, but it was really strange. And then that happened a few more times after I got home. That's when I started like looking up these symptoms because I thought this is really strange. I've never experienced even fatigue, even with four kids. I was always pretty, you know, able to do what I have to do. I was never like bedridden. And I mean, I wouldn't call it bedridden, but there were days where I couldn't do anything. So breast implant illness came up and then immediately I knew I was like, this is what's happening. This everything started since I got them put in. And I'd like to say, you know, not everybody, I'm not telling people go get them taken out. Not everybody has issues with it. But if you're having 
issues and you're chasing symptoms, just look into that. That could be the reason why. So I made an appointment with my doctor, but then um, to have them removed. But in between the appointment and like when I realized it in the appointment, my husband started um, getting really bad neck pain. And he he's one who was just putting it off. He was studying for a big certification and he wanted to take like take the test. So the day he took the test, his arm went numb and then he um, he passed the test somehow. And then he went to the ER and they did an MRI and he had a herniated disc. So that's why his arm went numb because of the way it was pressing on his nerve. But they also said, well, we see some lesions on your spine. And then they said, we want to do a brain MRI too. So they did a brain MRI and it lit up. There were lesions and we're, we just, we weren't sure, you know, what was going on. And then they came in the room talking to us as if we already knew. And they said, well, here's three pamphlets, you know, for medication. I'm like, what's this for? And they said, oh, he has multiple sclerosis, which is really strange because I heard it's really hard to get a diagnosis for multiple sclerosis. I mean, he had, he, it was opposite for him. He didn't have any symptoms of it and, you know, but he had the lesions. So. I went home that night because he was admitted for the to manage his pain because they couldn't do month uh, surgery for a month, and I had every intention on picking a medicine. Like I looked up the pamphlets and I, you know, I wanted to look up each medicine, and then all of a sudden side effects were coming up, and then lifestyle came up, and it said you can manage it can be manageable with the lifestyle change. So I looked all into that, and I brought it to him the next day. I said this is what I found out the medicine and. I found out the lifestyle change. You know, it's ultimately his decision. It's him who's going to be doing it. He said, I'm going to do, I'll do whatever the lifestyle change. So I decided to go back to school to be a health coach. And I thought, you know, maybe that will help. Then I'll learn how to help you with these changes and we can make those changes at home. So I went to Dr. Sears first, Dr. Mm -hmm. Sears Wellness. And it was good. It was helpful, but it was more, um, diet and shopping, you know, and ingredient labels. And it was all about really diet. So um, then I decided to go back to school for my bachelor's degree in health sciences with a concentration in healthy lifestyle coaching. And I went to Arizona State University for that. And then I learned a lot more about lifestyle. And all this time, he's he's making the changes. He's doing great. Still no, you know, symptoms. To this day, he's had some flare-ups. He um, if stress, you know, sure. we've noticed like stress, if, if he has like a stressful, you know, at work could be stressful or poor kids, you know, so he'll know like the next day his legs might hurt, but also all in all, he's doing pretty well. And during this, my, I had to go on the back burner to get my implants out because, um, he couldn't work for, he had the surgery. He couldn't work for three months. He couldn't lift anything. He couldn't drive. So, I couldn't have a surgery too and go through that. So I kind of was just dealing with managing my symptoms, not really managing them, but just dealing with them. Mm-hmm. So then um, the time came and I decided to get them out and I saw my doctor and I was trying to get her to write a letter to cover it for insurance because it's expensive, you know, and have them taken out. And I said, can you show that like, you know, I'm having these medical issues. I've never had it. And she said, well, let me test you for autoimmune. And I was like, you know, I want to wait on that. I don't want that. I just didn't want the diagnosis. I thought, can you just, I'm going to take them out and then I'm going to see how I feel. So I've always had eczema like that, that I did have ever since I was little, um, but I can manage it like on my hands when it gets cold or if like I get stressed, I might get some eczema on hands and I know what to do to get rid of it. And 
I had this patch that just wouldn't go away. The next day after I got them out, it was gone, just gone. So I told her everything, everything stopped at that point, everything, all those weird, I've never had it, um, heart palpitations again, or the chill, like the cold I was getting or the fatigue. I didn't have any of that. So that was in 2019. And then my husband's still doing well. And then I graduated and I didn't know what to do with my certificate. Like I didn't, there was no business background in it. I just didn't know where to, what to do. I was a photographer for 10 years before that self-employed and I kind of retired, you know, I got burnt out from that. And um, so I was just kind of in limbo, not really doing anything, just focusing on the kids and family. And then last year, I started to get like little, like a rash, like little hives. Like it was just, I've never gotten that before. Mm-hmm. So then we were out of town in Las Vegas again, and I and I started, and then I would take like a Benadryl, which Benadryl makes me very, really tired. I hate taking it, but it would go away for a couple of days and it would come back. And it was only like a couple, like a little bit. Then all of a sudden, they just erupted everywhere. It was head to toe hives that all day, 24-7, an antihistamine wouldn't even touch it, nothing. And I was like, what's, it was, I mean, it was all over. And I went to um, doc, many doctors and none of them, you know, one said it's diagnosed chronic urticaria. He said, there's, you know, up your antihistamine, start taking Pepsid, you know, so I was trying everything. Then one day I did go to the ER because my lips were swelled up and I thought I was afraid my throat was going to close. So, and I had COVID at that time too. And I think it made, it might've made them worse, but I already had the hives, but then I got COVID and then my lips swelled up and he, he didn't really, I get it, you know, in ER, they don't really want you there with COVID. So he kind of just checked my throat and said, you're not in any danger and sent me home. Just said, that's, he said, take the Pepsid too. I didn't notice any difference. I was still taking it. You know, I saw my general practitioner. He said, it's environmental, figure out something at home. And I was like, I've been trying to figure this out. I'm not coming up with anything. And he said, well, you just kind of, then another doctor said, things, these things happen. You just have to wait it out. Like it's a flare up and it'll go away. But I thought, well, why is it happening though? Like there's something, my body's trying to tell me something. And Finally, I did a, doc- a visit with a doctor and he said, your immune system is, you know, out of whack for some reason. We need to calm it down. So he gave me steroids. So at first they didn't work. And they made like, because she, she told the lady told me, didn't specify how to take it. I took it wrong. So they started burning, like the hives never burned. And it was just my whole body was burning. And then they said, no, take it this way. So I changed it. And then they went away. Like I felt like me again, you know, because, um, I've been like kind of hiding out kind of, I, I couldn't wear any makeup. It would make it worse. I couldn't wear certain clothes like too tight or too long. It would just feel funny. So then I was able to go out. I was able to leave my house. And then towards the end of the dosa, like the pack, um, it was day 11. It was 12 days. I was supposed to take it day 11. I started feeling really weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought my blood sugar was dropping. I just thought I felt like really short tempered. I just felt like irritable. And I thought, you know, so I went to the immediate care and they said, it's a side effect of the steroid. And I said, of mm. course it is. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, you know, it worked. I finished it out the 12 days and then they came right back worse. The hives were right back. I didn't even think they could get worse and they were worse. Yep. So that mother's day, I spent it um, in my bed 
Like I just was that. So a lot of days I was just in my bed. I didn't want to leave my house. I had this big patch on my, I, I mean, I had hives all over, but there was a really big one, like kind of on my neck right here. And I just was getting anxiety that my throat was going to close up because that has, it, it happens. So I tried getting an EpiPen just to feel better. They wouldn't give me one. So then I, um, they said, no, you don't need one. This, that won't happen. Like it can't cause it. Mm -hmm. So then I still was stuck and I thought I can't, I just, I can't deal with this anymore. You know, and I, I feel for people who deal, have chronic issues for, I mean, I was only a couple months in before I started really getting into, you know, trying to figure out what was wrong. So people, I've connected with someone, she's had it for 15 years. I thought, how did you do this for 15 years? I, I couldn't even, you know, I, um, it was just a couple months and I joined a Facebook page and all of a sudden I saw about functional medicine and I thought, what? So I tried to, you know, do some stuff on my own, change some supplements, nothing, nothing was working as you know, like tests don't guess. Yep. So, um, I, I found a functional medicine doctor and then he, the first thing he did was a food sensitivities test. And then they said, I was already, so I've been a vegetarian since I was 11. And then okay. when my husband had the MS, we were looking um, after the Dr. McDougall protocol, which was ma mainly plant-based. So he went vegan. And now I know, now I'm jumping ahead, but with FDN, you know, protein, and um, I realized it might have been gluten and the dairy might have been the issue for him. So he's since added meat back in. And... I lost my track with this. Well, you were going on about how you had went to the the doctor. You've been a vegetarian oh, since you were 11. So yeah. he, he was afraid of being too restrictive. Mm -hmm. He, he, you know, he thought um, he didn't want to restrict too many foods. And I, so then he took the test and it took three weeks till my next appointment. Well, I didn't want to sit and waste three weeks. So I did the restrictive diet on my own. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I'm doing this. It's high histamine. I know um, I just kind of left out high histamine foods, I was starting to get a little bit better. And then I noticed my food sensitivities test wasn't terrible. It was, but it was, uh, what I eat was spinach, tomatoes, avocado, you know, I had to, um, which is all high histamine anyways. So I was leaving it out and that's the only test he did. He did a lot of blood work and he came up with, um, he said I had Hashimoto's, which I never, well, of course now my doctor, conventional labs didn't, they showed in the normal range, right. my, my thyroid. Um, but I didn't, I was surprised with that, but it was the antibodies were very low. So they said, we're going to leave out gluten. That's when I went gluten-free. She said, leave out gluten and we'll see how it does with your antibodies. She said, if it doesn't get better, we'll add gluten back in. Mm -hmm. But I felt so much better without it. I just still haven't I added it back in. Um, then I was starting to heal. I was starting, but I was still having, I, I was getting a lot better. I would um, not have as many, but I was still having them. So then I came across a Facebook page with a lady who, who is a functional medicine practitioner. And I thought, you can do this. Like, that's something I can do. So I can, I was like, you mean to tell me I can run labs and help people? So I found FDN. Nice. That's one. <laughs> I just thought, um, I want to, I want to try to finish healing myself, see what I can find more about myself. And then just, I thought this is what I want to be when I grow up. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I just, yeah, I realized, um, 
after, you know, cause I was sitting on that health coach and I knew I wanted to help people. I just didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. So it kind of, it kind of sparked, you know, an interest and I still saw my functional medicine doctor. He was still helping me. Um, he had me on different supplements, but then with FDN, I, so I did my labs last October. I still, ha I was still having my hives, but my metabolic, um, my cast score was 29 at the time. So it still wasn't, it, so my only complaint really was the hives and I've had some acne and I'm, um, I still have some hormonal acne that I'm trying to work on, but I, I don't know. I haven't retested. So okay. I haven't, you know, she, she, by the time I, I did my test in October and by the time that I did my R and R because, you know, it took me some time to get through with the holidays and get through the program. I, the hives were gone. Nice. So she was kind of like, she was kind of, she goes, well, this showed that, you know, you had high histamine. So at the time, it, it was just really strange how it all, it just kind of all worked out. And I don't know, it was, I just was following, as I was doing FDN, I was following the drug, like I was just making sure my diet, my rat, you know, stuff I'd always worked on since, I mean, even growing up, I grew up in a household where, um, not, not holistic, but my dad was very in, like into diet. Just, I, I always had vegetables and fruit and, you know, and I was, had a bedtime that I, and then he didn't let me sleep in. Like it was just, and I just kind of followed through growing up. And so that's why I think I've always been pretty healthy. So when I wasn't, it was just, it was hard. It wasn't okay. something I was, you know, accustomed to because I've noticed working with a couple of clients, you know, they have, they say five years is bothering them or one was 10 years. And I just keep thinking, how, how do you, you know, how do you, they just think it's normal. They thought it was normal. So I think too, I mean, as someone, I talk obviously to a ton of people, not only client wise, but here on this podcast. And I would actually say you're right. It's more the norm. If anything, that most of the people, at least on this podcast, which you could say is maybe a biased group because people are actually super passionate doing this as a career. I, I don't know. But generally speaking, that is the norm where it's 10 years, 15 years of, of stuff going on before you really get an aha moment and figure these things out. And I especially think the younger that things start, the more we kind of rationalize and normalize these things in our head. I'm always so thankful that I had these kind of moments at 18, 19, where I finally, for whatever reason, just said, this doesn't make sense. It was the first time after all those years that I'm like, something doesn't add up here. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about this right now, but I just don't buy that I'm supposed to feel this way or have all these random things going on. So that's what I was going to ask you. 2016, this all started happening. But before that, it's not like you were living maybe, you know, an FDN perfect lifestyle, but you would consider yourself someone because of your upbringing, maybe more aware of, you know, some basic health stuff than the average American running around. Not that that's saying much, unfortunately, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I've always been one to, for my sleep. I'm like, I need my seven, eight hours of sleep at night because I know how I feel if I don't get it. So I've always been like that, you know, and then I, when my kids were younger, I, I was on the go a lot with them. And then at some point, maybe it was 2020 or 20, because of 2020, you had to slow down. I just kind of realized it's not good for them either to be like, to teach them. Then they're thinking you always have to be on the go, 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 or eat in the car or eat, 
you know, so we kind of scaled back and, and instead of them doing all these activities, they're each doing maybe one or two. So, and, and growing up, that's kind of how I was too. You know, I, I always did activities, but I never felt on the go. So good. it was just very, so I don't know. I think that's why once I started having the issues, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't right. But it took me a lot of doctors to figure out I, I think it was the implants, like you can't, there's no diagnosis, it's not a for sure thing, but it's just weird how it started after I got them, like the weird things that were happening, and then those stopped except for the hives. I don't know, I still don't know what caught, they, and that's what all the doctors told me, if you find out, I saw an allergist too, and he said, he did an allergy test, and he said, you might get rid of them, because at that point I was starting to feel better. He said, I hope I never see you again, but you probably will, and he said, and then you should take Zolaire for every two weeks just a shot he goes that you could take that and it'll help you and i thought no that's still that's a band-aid you know yeah. it's something that i wasn't interested in. i said i probably i hope i never see you again either yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. nicely you know he meant it nice he's like i hope you continue to do well but great and i mean as always said, uh, you know not medical advice by any means but like my gosh like when when I hear these stories, especially with the allergic sensitive type, <clears throat> excuse me, reactions, the, the drugs, I don't think people understand, like these drugs are not particularly side effect free and they're not right. um, free of long-term issues either. If you take antihistamines constantly, there's consequences to that. If you're taking steroids, holy cow. I mean, and there's severe consequences for a lot of people that take those things. Yeah. And then the Pepsid, I realized too, I thought, you know, is just that too there's consequences i took that for three months straight and then the antihistamines i even though it wasn't helping i was taking it because i was having like this anxiety thinking what if i don't take it it could be worse what if i don't take it and my throat closes up what if i yep. so i hated that feeling i hated that so i was still taking them and then they said you could take up to four times the dosage on the pack which I never did anything more than two actually made it worse, which was, it was just strange how it was all working. And the allergist told me there's no, it's just some, it's just, um, a chronic. He, he said, um, urticaria is you don't know what's causing it. And he said, there's no food that can make it worse or better or lifestyle. So. What is, but, I, I had to ask this, forgive my ignorance, but what did the Pepsid have to do with a histamine thing? Maybe I don't fully understand the drug I use. I don't either. It's weird because the, the emergency room doctor told me, he said, it's a cocktail that usually helps. And I honestly didn't look into it. I didn't. I just was desperate. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. And then the allergist um, said, yeah, keep taking that. That actually could help. But I have no idea. Yeah. And you're saying Pepsid, right? Like the stuff that's normally yeah. used for acid reflux. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. I got to, I'll look that up myself. And that's okay. Yeah. At least I'm, I'm not totally far out them as I'm feeling ignorant. I'm like, what the heck? Like, why does that do something? So I'm, I'm glad I asked because that'll be interesting to see at least what their thought process or theory is behind that. I used to, the only reason I even knew what that is, is because I would go into the hospital maybe once or twice a year for severe stomach pains, never ended up like no appendix removal or anything, but they would give me that stuff. And I went from, you know, eight, nine out of 10 pain. We're going to the hospital three in the morning to 30 minutes later, it's gone. So I know that it can be used for those types of things. And that's really interesting that they uh, used it for you as well. So you're still, you know, in a sense on this journey, and this is kind of my favorite type of interview, because I love people that 
you're definitely over a lot of the main humps. I love that your husband's doing so well, because it's a serious diagnosis, obviously, but you guys are pushing right along, uh, learning all these things and then sharing with it, sharing it with us along the way. I also, I didn't say this when I first um, started talking again, I really have a huge respect because you're not the first person to do it. There's been like three or four total in the 270 something episodes. I really have a huge respect for the women that are coming on here talking about the breast implants and explants, right? Getting them removed. I, I can't uh, relate to this, right? I'm a man, but I would have to imagine that is not the most comfortable topic or like first thing you want to share. But this is so important because by people not sharing it, there's probably millions of women out there right now, or even tens of thousands would still be a lot that are dealing with symptoms and have no idea that this is even a possibility. They've never even connected those dots. And I guess in a certain sense, I mean, I'm not thankful that you dealt with the symptoms, but I'm thankful that you were able to so easily connect it beforehand that when this happened, you know, I started feeling this way. And this is what really being a health detective means in a sense. It's not being smarter than a doctor or pretending that you have a degree. It's nothing like that. It's using some common sense because as of right now, Western medicine, you're right, would not give you any diagnosis for what you experienced, but there are tons of anecdotes with this. Yes, that's not peer-reviewed science. I get it. But a lot of the best science comes from people first having anecdotal experiences. And then someone that's a researcher wonders, huh, I wonder if we can study this, right? Like it always starts with the anecdotes or a completely random hypothesis. But most of the time, it's the anecdotes that lead to these studies being done. So uh, this is not the first time I've heard this. It's very uh, crazy to me that it can even trigger this. And I guess there is an interesting part because that surgeon, they did acknowledge that by putting something foreign in, they expect a reaction, but what was it? They just expected something short term, right? Not over yeah. many years. Okay. Okay. So that's the difference. We're, we're halfway there with Western medicine. They just don't go all the way with it, I guess. Right. There's some, like, so I saw my original surgeon because I was comfortable with him. So I wanted him to remove them, but he, he didn't believe that it was the issue, which was fine. I just wanted them out, but he wasn't going to remove the capsule. So a capsule forms around the implant. It's your body just trying to protect the foreign object. And the capsule still holds toxins. So it was very important to get the capsule out too, I thought, because there's many ladies who get them out and not the capsule and they still have their issues. So it's not saying that maybe the implants weren't the issue, but then they would get the capsule out and then they would be able to heal. So I went to um, a surgeon who who believed in breast implant illness and was, was removing them. So that was what he was he was doing. Well, good. So there's some people out here on the front line understanding that this actually does something to yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, there are. And and I understand, again, like I said, I know people who have them and they thankfully don't have issues. But then I didn't really jump into the genes much. I want to, to there's one called MTHFR. Mm-hmm. It's um, you can't properly like detox. Like, so that's why some people who have them maybe are detoxing the toxins. Okay. Or, you know, your toxic bucket, like, um, that I learned a lot about the toxic bucket with the hives. Like there's just things, there's certain toxins you're throwing in, you're throwing in your bucket. And then for me, it just eventually tipped over. And all this time I thought, you know, I'd be buying like all like free and clear, um, products or things that said they were clean or, but I learned when I had the hives that certain things weren't because I would just get worse. So like I knew, I know pine saw is not clean, but I love the small pine saw and I mopped my floors one day and then all of a sudden hives all over. So I knew I can't use pine saw anymore. Or I used to drink, or I still drink sometimes Dunkin' decaf coffee and 
um, it must be the mold or something in it. It just would, I would get these yeah. hives on my hands. So then I learned like, so I'm kind of grateful. It got me like going through it, got me to where I am today. It, it taught me, you know, environmentally what I had to change in my house because, or even lipstick, I barely wore makeup because it made it worse, but I went to my friend's birthday and I put lipstick on and my lips just blew up like I had fillers within. And then I talked to the functional medicine doctor and she referred me to ewg.org, you know, to look into the toxins in my lipstick. Sure enough, it was like a seven. I think it was at a toxic level of a seven and I had no idea. You know, I didn't know like makeup could do that much or like shampoo and so I just did a complete overhaul of everything and in my house now too, like I use certain, I use the laundry sheets now or instead of, um, so that was interesting. I learned a lot from that too. So I, while you're in it, while you're dealing with your health issues, it might not, you might not see, cause I always try to see the positive in a situation, you know, I just try to feel like, but it's hard to sometimes when you're in it, see it right then and there. Of course. So it was like, it took a few months. I'm like, okay, this is why I have to experience this and then I can help other people. So that's why I, you know, I'm more of a spiritual person now, but there was a time during this health journey, uh, even on the positive end of the health journey that I wasn't. And so there's a personal preference, but my point in mentioning that detail is, you know, obviously many people who are spiritual, religious, whatever you want to call it, uh, totally believe everything happens for a reason. And then you have many secular atheist people uh, who might not believe in that. But the philosophy that I was, someone proposed this to me, is they said, well, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in something else. What if, would happen if you acted like everything happened for a reason? And wouldn't that change your thought process? I'm like, oh, that's brilliant, right? Because just pretending actually still leads to a positive outcome without getting too woo-woo. Like if I look at the negative things that happened in my life and said, okay, if hypothetically, just hypothetically, this was to happen for a reason, what would someone who experienced this for a particular reason go out and do? And it switches your mindset very positively into, okay, well, look at the other things that maybe I'm preventing long-term now that I'm more aware of my health. Um, Look at the fact that you're probably able to help your husband way more because you're into this stuff than you otherwise would have been. And not to mention the countless clients and sharing stories like this. So whether you're spiritual or totally secular, it actually really doesn't matter. Just acting like these things happen for a purpose makes total sense. And what you mentioned about the chemicals on a side note, I think is super important. Uh, this is a theory, obviously, but I genuinely believe that the the issues with the chemicals are one of the bigger reasons that women deal with like seven times the rate of autoimmunity. So we already know that compared to other countries that are less modernized, they use less chemical cleaners, and they actually have lesser incidence of autoimmune diseases. But when we come to the United States of America, it's literally like seven times uh, more women deal with autoimmune diseases than men. And you could say misdiagnoses because men are stupid and don't go in as much. But we also know that women don't get represented as much when they go to the doctor and talk about something. They're more, this is true, they're more likely to be told that it's in their head than a guy is. Uh, But I think a lot of these, you know, societal standards um, that we've created, and I'm not this isn't like a political thing, right? I'm not someone that complains about the societal standards imposed on men and women, uh, but I think it's very practical to say there's an expectation for women to use way more products. Like you said, the makeups, the lipsticks and stuff than men. Um, And worse yet, if we go back even farther, there's a total stereotype that is being deleted right now because of the requirement for most people to have two income households. Uh, But historically speaking, women 
for better or for worse, right, would have been more of the people taking care of the house while the man might have been working. Obviously, that's like a thing of the past now. Um, mm -hmm. Many women are still working and doing all that stuff, right? So they're yeah. doing like 3x what they normally would have done. But my point is, I think they're more active uh, with those chemicals. If I look at my dad, landscaping Greg, he's out touching dirt and, and doing all this kind of stuff. And his apple at lunch would fall. I remember this when I was a kid, I was working with him the one day, his apple would fall on the ground. I thought it was the dirtiest thing in the world, knowing what I know now, it's like so smart to do this. And he'll pick it right up and eat it, right? Versus my mom, when she's working at the restaurant or working at home, pine salt, just like you said, loves that. Lysol, she's using Clorox, all these different things. Yeah. Um, I've had to eliminate a lot of that stuff in my life. When we use the watch, and people hate this, but I swear no one's ever told me that I smell yet. So either they're very polite or it's working. <laughs> like when I use my washer and dryer, most of the times, unless we like really um, tainted the clothes by going hiking or something, I just use the heavy duty setting with water and the clothes come out and they smell fine. Dishwasher, same thing. I just put it on heavy duty and we just use water a lot of the times. Oh. There's five, 10% of the time it doesn't work as well as you want it to. Mm -hmm. But like 90%, I'm like the whole point of the dishwasher is to wash the dishes. I don't think it like requires a certain thing for it to auto automatically work. And it's yeah. amazing how well these things uh, do work if you just eliminate them. So I don't want yeah. people to go too neurotic with this, but I think you pose a really interesting point where we're kind of in this chemical storm and it's pretty damn hard to avoid. And it can be anything that triggers these things. Sometimes something very benign and sometimes uh, something more, you know, daily, like you would, I, the benign, I guess would be the lipstick, right? You'd think that shouldn't do anything. And then yeah. you have something harsher, like a pine saw. Well, that's, you know, we kind of know it's bad, but we keep doing it. So yeah. what are the um, practical solutions for people? You mentioned that you use certain brands or are there recommendations for things that you like more than not? So I like, oh gosh. I wonder if I can find it. Oh, man. On the spot, I don't know if I can remember. Hold on one second. Um, clean people. Clean people is a good... From I'm very... I'm going into this. And then makeup-wise, I've changed to Honest Beauty. and But then after being in, like... This was before FDN. And then... Um, well, while I was in it. And now I want to try, like... Um, beauty counter. There's different ones I want to try. I'm just very basic though. I don't, I, and that's how I grew up too. So I think that's maybe I didn't use a lot of chemicals growing up. I just always had shampoo, conditioner and a, and a body wash. And I barely wore makeup growing up. And my mom was very basic. We didn't, I didn't really use perfume. So with my daughters, I'm trying, it's hard with the social media and with you know, they're just influenced. They're easily, they want yeah. this and they want that. And they're starting younger. My 11 year old is my youngest, but she sees like my 17 year old using things. And I'm just trying to educate them on, and, and I'm trying to change it over and, and say, well, if I'm going to buy it for you, it's going to be something, you know, and the, the problem is when they have birthdays or something and friends buy them things, you know, and then they um, use them, but it's just, I'm really trying to educate them on it and, because I know these, like, they're endocrine disruptors. And that's one thing, too, that just any little, like I mentioned with the toxic bucket. So, like, I, I for me, I get my nails done. That's one thing I do. I do go for the non-toxic. But, but being in there, there's something they might use that's not completely non-toxic. Because I'm not saying, like, wipe out everything. Because that, that's hard, right? You know, there's just certain things, changes you can make. Or, or just pick and choose what you want to. Some people get their hair dyed. I just, I don't. I haven't got my hair dyed maybe in like seven years. You know, that's just something I kind of stopped a while ago. Mm -hmm. And who knows, maybe one day I'll start dyeing my hair and add that in. But 
So the, like you said, you can't like completely, it's not everything. It's just now I know I could probably use pine saw again. I know I can drink Dunkin' coffee again. I, cause now I, so I think I, I pretty much had leaky gut mm -hmm. and I peeled it. So I don't have, my body can handle it again, but I just choose not to, because I don't know if, you know, how I'm filling my bucket. I'm choosing how I'm filling it and what I'm filling it with. So. I love the bucket analogy. It's not how I word it, but it's, it's kind of the same thing where we got to pick our stressors because what happens in this space, I'm fully a victim of this myself. So I'm preaching to the choir. It's, it's a thing where when you're really sick and you start making all these changes at once, because you're dedicated to feeling better, you'll do whatever it takes. It can create, I used this word already, a kind of neuroticism around, all right, I got to keep everything clean hundred percent of the time and, and be safe and never see an EMF again or be around one. It's like, okay, whoa, 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 holy cow. Humans would not have gotten as far as we did if we weren't resilient. And resiliency implies that we can handle some level of stress. Um, I thought it was it was fascinating recently. We left, my fiance and I left the country for the first time, at least I did. And we went to Italy. And Italy has the third longest life expectancy in the world right now. And 25% of the population smokes. Now, yeah. no one would advocate that. but And correlation is not causation, right? But one has to wonder, okay, what's going on there? It's not that smoking's good. That's not what I'm suggesting whatsoever. It's mm -hmm. that you find, oh, look at how tan these people are. They kind of all live outside. The hills and the walking nature of their country and culture is crazy. So it's almost as if you can kind of balance the stressors a little bit. And you have to figure out what the major ones are for you. For me, the gluten thing, I'm never touching it, not consciously or purposely, at least. I will avoid that as much as I can for the rest of my life. Um, I have never purposely eaten it since I found out that I was sensitive. It hits me too hard. It feels too bad. But then there's other foods and other things that I'm like, does this mean I can never stay up late for one night again? Does this mean I can never have dairy again? Those are my things that I can play around with a little bit. We're going to a wedding this weekend for two best friends. Uh, honestly, Erica, like literally three or four years ago, I wouldn't have even stayed up past 10. I would have been like, hey guys, I'm leaving. Sorry. I'm going to enjoy my time this weekend and, and stay up with my friends because it's once a freaking year. Who cares? Um, so we, we learned to kind of balance these things a little better. Uh, you have a bunch of comments here, which was great. So I'll, I'll fly through some of these really quick. Um, someone said, yeah, gluten can be a really big problem for many. Very true. Uh, I'll ask you this one question in a moment, but Shelby said, Erica, my husband has MS as well. And this is one reason I have joined FDN. Awesome, Shelby. We hope you, uh, one, would love to have you on the podcast eventually, but definitely hope that this all works out well. Um, does your husband follow the same protocols? Like he reintroduced me, sure, but is he doing kind of the FDN lifestyle? Okay, we're trying. We're working on it. You know, he is um, diet wise because he eats, you know, I mainly do the cooking. So he's diet wise. Um, we're trying with rest. I haven't done the protocols on him yet. And I told him, I was like, I, I have a feeling, you know, I just, again, test, don't guess. So I'm not going to do any protocols, but I feel like he might have parasites or mold or, and so I told him I need to do these and he's just hasn't yet, but he's doing, we're trying, um, he sleeps when I, we try to sleep like 10 to 630 usually. Sometimes 1030 to six. Um, now I just, like you said, you go out, I do socialize. I went out for my friend's birthday a few weeks ago. I was probably out till midnight, which is not, which is late for me, but I had a fun time. You know, it's, it's good to have that connection too. So, um, he's, he'll stay up late sometimes if we go out for the most part, he's sleeping. He, he does, doesn't have a lot of time to do. Um, I make sure he gets walks in every day with me, but he's working a lot. So yeah. I'm trying to help him manage his stress and tell him you have to, but anyways, yeah. 
we're working well, on I it. I think you get more experience with this. I mean, like work, I, I'm kind of being, I know this sounds funny, but I really do mean this work for me is that stressor that I kind of just love um, because I'm doing yeah. stuff like this all the time. It's fun. But yeah. I realized if I keep the other stuff really in check, that can afford me working kind of most of the day. What some people would consider work. I don't really look at it the same way, but I do know it takes a toll, right? It's not something that you can just do forever and, and stay up all night. It doesn't work like that. Um, right. So I think it's even something that can be balanced for many people too. But yeah, we got to be, it's all a trade-off. Find out what you love, what's worth it. Um, for the Italians, 25% of them, it's smoking, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to give that up, but they're walking all day, getting in the sun. So that's great. Um, when yeah. did you graduate FDN? Because you mentioned that you've taken some clients already. So how's that going? April. I, I graduated in April it's, and then I did business school after. Oh, so then I kind of, and then the kids were off from, by the time I finished business school, they were off for the summer. So I didn't really, I got uh, a couple clients in June and then I didn't really start until August. August I started really trying. So Excellent. With those clients that um you started with in June, I mean, I know it, it's been a few months depending on where the person's coming at in their yeah. journey or coming to you at in their journey. I mean, they could be profound. It can be you know, hey, we're we're making progress, but I'm just curious. I like to ask for uh, some types of testimonials if if they're relevant. So, have you had any things with these clients yet that like, hey, it's going really well. We're moving the needle. Um, what what's been going on there? Actually, yes, I I got her follow up form yesterday. I have her fill in. Um, so I, I'm meeting with her next week, but she filled out the form already, and she's now her sleep is at I, from zero to ten. It's at a ten. Her energy's at a ten. She just feels great. She's out and about. She's doing really well. So she still has some things we're working on, but overall she has her energy and, and she feels and sleeping what, really good. It's and those were probably at zero two in the beginning. Yeah. It's really hard to do the rest of this stuff without the energy. So those initial phases, like that's not a small detail, right? Like when you have the energy, you can do almost anything. Um, what yeah. always happens for a lot of us in the beginning of these journeys is your energy is so damn low. You, you know, you're so foggy all the time. It's kind of hard to keep things moving. So um, that's right. amazing. I'm excited to see what happens and how this all progresses. It'd be cool to have you, you know, I'm getting a little ahead, but whether it's six months or one year down the road, I'd love to hear, you know, about the business, how it's going with the clients. Um, I definitely would love to hear about the stuff with your husband as well. Um, yeah. I guess I'm thankful in a sense that, it, you know, it sounds like he's obviously willing to make changes, but not like we're not going to do the full thing yet. But Part of that's because maybe his symptoms aren't warranting him saying, I need to do the full thing. So I guess that's a blessing in one sense, right? Because MS can get pretty serious. So the fact that it's managed right now and mm -hmm. it's really only those high stress days that lead to some symptoms, that's fantastic. Um, Shelby's still with us and said, yes, parasites is big with MSers. So yes. that's kind of funny, right? <laughs> you know, we yeah. can call people MSers now. Um, but yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting to see what comes up for his stuff. So uh, please let us know. Okay, as we kind of approach the final minutes here, one thing I obviously want to ask is is if someone resonated with your story, because everyone's unique, right? And actually not many people have come on this before with the chronic hives thing. So if someone's listening to you, you today and for whatever reason, whether it's your personality, story, combination of both, it's like, all right, Erica's my person. I like her. Where can people find you if they'd want to reach out? I'm at Instagram, I'm at Erica Duffy Wellness, Facebook, Erica Duffy Wellness. And then my website is ericaduffywellness.com. Nice and easy. We'll throw that in the chat for you guys. Okay. And then, uh, oh, someone shared the ewgthing.org. So, oh, thank you. Yes. Awesome. It's you guys have that right here. Excellent. Um, Erica, for the final question today, we have a signature question on this podcast. Always end with it. Um, and it's just, you know, to the best of the ability that you're able to answer it. If we could give you a magic wand and knowing what you know now, you could get every single person in this world to either start doing one thing for their health 
or you can get all of us to stop doing one thing for their health. What it, or our health, I should say. What's the one thing that you'd get all of us to do? Well, there's two part answer because I would say don't don't sit on your health. If you feel fine, if you're moving along fine, don't wait for something to happen until you work on your health because you might be listening and think, you know, oh, I'm, um, or you might not be realizing some people are in like a, a chronic state for so long and they don't realize because they're just going along. They might not realize something's wrong. So if, if you're getting symptoms, don't sit on them. Like it's your body trying to tell you something's wrong. So get it checked out with um, probably a functional practitioner, I would say. And, you know, don't like think that it's not normal to have like, you know, bloating and fatigue and you don't have to live like that. So that's what I would say is to just either don't wait for a symptom to happen or if the symptoms do happen, get on them. I, I think, yeah, the, the second one's probably more realistic just in this. I mean, you're totally right, yeah. but the second one's more realistic in the sense that they're of all the people in my life, as much as I talk about this, as much as you can't ignore me, I'm annoying as hell with it, post about it all the time, bring it up at the family parties when everyone's trying to enjoy Thanksgiving dessert. There's been maybe two or three people I've known in the last nine years that have been smart enough. I, I shouldn't say smart enough. That's not the right word. Forward thinking enough to test themselves while they were perfectly healthy. Felt amazing, yeah. right? Um, yeah. Thankfully, though, I think that's why your second option is very realistic by us sharing messages like this and, you know, becoming practitioners and letting people in our life know what's going on. I am finding that many people in my life become a lot more aware and proactive of this with otherwise minor symptoms. Bloating in and of itself is not going to kill you. So if you start getting on top of it, then uh, you got a probably pretty straightforward healing journey, not always, but probably pretty straightforward healing journey. So yeah, if nothing else, if you're super smart and forward thinking, my gosh, do them today. Uh, but at the yeah. very least you start getting those symptoms have that awareness uh, like you did, right? You knew something was off. It just doesn't make sense. I got to change something. So uh, thank you. Yeah. I think that's a great uh, words of wisdom to end on. And um, yeah, that's about it. So thank you so much for coming on today and being our guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me.